1: Hello and welcome to a new year and as we start 2024 I want to take a moment to thank all the wonderful people that are part of my Patreon group. I want to thank Sean Poole, Dave and Jennifer Van Ebers, Jeff Ulmer, Kimby Wiggins, Sylvan Groth, Yetta, Liz Brunson, Fernando Lozano, Steve Van Sack, Randy Brown, Rob Barnett, Bella Pori, John Munson, Crystal Carroll, Alex Godward, Alex Simonti, Betsy Hodges, Stephen Malio, Liz Brunson, Holly Mack, Steve Rogers, Dale Hosack, Chris Bloom, Anna Lynn, Terry Smith, and of course, Mary Thomas. Thank you guys for kicking in a little bit of cash every month to help support the podcast. You are appreciated, and if you are interested in getting a shout-out during at least one episode a month and seeing unedited videos of every discussion, go to patrons.com, search for Set Lusting Bruce, and for as little as a dollar a month, you can support the podcast. For as little as $5 a month, you can get unedited videos. And now, on to the show.
2: So with Bruce, I think what touched me, because I was already into
1: Queen, and
2: I think initially it was just the live performance. So getting the, the Live 7585 box set, and then there was, a, at the time, there was a documentary um, uh, by a guy called David Hepworth, who who's a, a journalist in the UK, and he did an interview with Bruce when he was promoting Live 7585. So I I. Rec- I recorded that off TV and watched it okay. countless times. It's really amazing. And that was the it was just seeing him perform and sing and his just his connection with the audience was I, I found was very similar in how Queen connected with an audience.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Joining me today is a friend, and making us a timey, wimy episode. It is my afternoon, his evening. And Alex, welcome to the podcast.
2: Thank you, Jesse. Good to be here. I'm really, really looking forward to talking to you.
1: Yeah, where are you calling in from?
2: Uh, Edinburgh in Scotland.
1: Okay, nice. Yeah, usually I do these on a, it's my morning, Saturday morning, and my guest Saturday afternoon, so I almost said that without habit. Oh, my morning, but I was like, no, it's not my morning, it's my afternoon, so you're up late for me, and I appreciate it.
2: No, that's no problem. It's only 10.45, so okay. we're good.
1: Okay, very good. Tell us a little about yourself, Alex.
2: So, I, I've just turned 50 about a week and a half ago. I've been a Bruce Springsteen fan since I was 14. I'm also a huge Queen fan as well. And yeah, I've been very fortunate to have seen Bruce 26 times. And I've been, it's extremely fortunate because I think there's only two tours I've missed that I've been what your class is eligible for that's why because I first saw him in Bramall Lane in Sheffield in 1988 and I've seen him on every tour since except for Broadway and Devils and Dust
0: okay
2: he played one show I think if I remember rightly at the Royal Albert Hall Mm -hmm. I had a ticket for it it was in my basket on Ticketmaster and when I went to go and buy it it had gone
1: Oh no. So, oh we all um,
0: curse you, Ticketmaster. So the, the
2: curse of Ticketmaster, but I've been extremely fortunate. Okay. I, I really I, I genuinely can't complain.
1: I am really looking forward to going into the deep dive because you've you have previewed that you feel like Bruce and Queen have more in common than a lot of people. Realize, and so we are going to get there before the show's over. But I always like to start at the beginning. So tell me, where did you grow up, and what kind of music was your family listening to when you were younger?
2: So I've grown up in Edinburgh. I had the fortune to travel around the world after I graduated from university, but predominantly, Edinburgh has been my home and still is. It's a lovely city, no, no question. And so, growing up when we were kids, the artist that we, we that was heard the most in the house, probably the only artist, was Simon and Garfunkel. My mum was a my mum was a fan, and we must have played the concert in Central Park. We wore that. My mum must have worn that tape out, and it was quite interesting because my brother and sister had been over to their houses a couple times and noticed both noticed that they since. Obviously, we've grown up and we're older and we've all got copies of it because we loved it. It was, it, was, it was fantastic. But my dad wasn't massively into music. One of the weirdest facts I can say about my dad is when it comes to music, I've never heard my dad sing a verse of a song. I've heard him sing many choruses, but I've never heard him sing a verse. But music, I would guess the later on in teenage years, the influence of music came initially from my brother. So we were initially it was Queen, and then we were into Dire Straits and a lot of middle of the road stuff because there wasn't really a scene going on when I started getting into music in the mid eighties. So yeah, and then a lot of the rock bands, Guns and Roses, Death Leopard, etc. But I, um, I was fortunate. One of my friends at school, he was. Huge Springsteen fan and been on at me for ages to that I should get into him. And I succumbed. <laughs> I succumbed when it was our local record shop in Edinburgh, an the HMV, they had Live 7580 on offer with Tunnel of Love, I think, thrown in either half price or for free. So I bit the bullet and got it. And that was the start.
1: So I always like to ask that question, if you can remember when you discovered Bruce and what about him spoke to you. So you've touched on that a little bit, but if you could expand why it spoke to you. And then the other question I have is let's ask the same thing about Queen.
2: So with Bruce, I think what touched me, because I was already into Queen, and I think initially it was just the live performance. So getting the the live 7585 box set, and then there was a at the time there was a documentary um uh by a guy called david hepworth who who's a, a journalist in the uk and he did an interview with bruce when he was promoting life seventy five eighty five. so i I, rec- I recorded that off tv and watched it okay. countless times it's really amazing and that was the it was just seeing him perform and sing, and his just his connection with the audience was—I I found was very similar in how Queen connected with an audience. It was di- obviously it's in it's different in different ways, but it, it, there there is a similarity in how they go and how they go to town, and it, it's just extraordinary. And I think as well, what what else connected me with Bruce? It was the music, it was the lyrics, it was the melodies. I love how the... Both Queen and Springsteen both celebrate melody. They celebrate fun, but they also touch quite heavily on emotion, which is quite an unfashionable thing. Freddie, in particular, was a very emotional character, but a lot of people might not be aware that John Deacon, the bassist, was as well, and and Brian, because of their their childhood upbringings, and Brian was an only child, and and John lost his father when he was young. So I see the emotion, or I see the emotion in Queen, you know, it, it crosses over similar to how Bruce is very emotional in his, how he puts across his lyrics.
1: You, you mentioned how many times you've seen Bruce. Were you lucky enough to see Queen live?
2: No, unfortunately not. There's a there's actually a ter- there's actually a story in our house on this. Good. I used to deliver newspapers after after school, and the local newspaper had an advert to go and see Queen in at uh, Wembley, so you could get an overnight bus. I think you were away for a couple of days, and it included a ticket. And I think it was something like eighty eighty pounds at the time, and this was in 1986. And, but unfortunately, my mum said, don't worry, you can't go, you're too young, you're only 13, I'm not saying you, you can't go all the way to London, and unfortunately, so she said, uh, they all tour again, which unfortunately they never did, because Freddie got sick not long after the end of that tour. So that was really frustrating, but I was lucky enough to be, I was in the front row for the Freddie Mercury tribute concert in Wembley in 19, which was fantastic
1: have you seen with lambert touring with him
2: yeah i went i've only been once i don't really I, it's not really my thing i went and i'll be honest i went and i enjoyed it i went i didn't go in with wanting to dislike it i just went in and said i'm going to i'm going to go in and enjoy this and i did but i wouldn't go and see it again because Queen without, for me, this is the thing about Queen was when I was growing up, I saw, I I got into them in the last six years that Freddie was alive. And they were, for me, they were a four piece. Right. Brian, Freddie, Roger and John. So when Freddie died and John retired out of the music industry six years after his passing, as far as I'm concerned, Queen's gone, right? Queen's done. So it's not for me.
1: and my niece, we wanted to meet her for dinner. And she said, hey, Austin City Limits, not the TV show, but the venue, is having a, a Queen tribute band. And I don't remember the name. Uh, Would you want to attend? And we said, yeah, that sounds fun. And we had a great time. It was the, It was a show. The lead singer looked a little bit like Freddie. He certainly sounded similar to him they did all kinds of costume changes. It was a fun tribute to them. And I don't know if I'd go again though. I had a great time, but right. it was like, okay, that's that was fun or if I just yeah. happened to like I'm I saw that Jason Isbell is going to be in Oklahoma City in January and he's like the middle act in there's a civic center and so i bought tickets immediately i asked my wife can i go so same thing like when bruce announces the next show i'm gonna go so i get that feeling right like you as a fan you wanted to see i'm curious and also i would be curious are they are they tarnishing the image right are they and i don't know how you felt about that it sounds like no you felt like it's okay but it's not queen I ask the got, hard if questions if here. You got, Alex. If you got me
2: on a rant, if you got me on a rant about that's everything good. that's happened since 1991, which is what the year Freddie died, there's a lot of been a, there's been a lot of good stuff released, and there's been a lot of, but there's been a lot of stuff that's really not my thing, and okay. this is where for me, ticket, ticket master fiasco aside, this is where I think Bruce is leagues ahead of Queen in terms of how he has protected his legacy he's been exceptionally good and i think expand that's on one that of that a little, little r- bit
1: expand on well that I, little th-
2: little I think this bit. is the thing i think the thing that in 1991 when freddie died queen stopped being a band and became a brand so we've had i don't know how much you're aware of the stuff that they've done obviously they've had the movie which was colossally successful which i wasn't a, uh particular fan of they've done the the musical which again not my thing they teamed up with Paul Rogers and they've done they had the statue in Montreux which is where Freddie and has had his enjoyed his last days so there's things that are and that statue wasn't great to be honest but there's been a lot of other good stuff but the thing is one of the things that Bruce has been so good at is the fact that he has protected his legacy? He he doesn't, for example. I don't know if you're aware, he doesn't have any music in adverts, which I think is fantastic.
0: But just you,
1: it, he, they just had the first one this past year, because Sony sold the rights. Right, absolutely. he sold the rights to Sony, and so there was one. Yes, this is the first time that someone has used it, and I forgot that it was a tasteful commercial. But yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't lend. That and I don't know how things will change when with now that Sony owns it. Did he put that in there that says, "As long as I'm alive, you can't make this," and then once I'm gone, you guys can do whatever you want. That's a that's an interesting thought, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, and uh, like what I said earlier, Queen became a brand. Yeah, Springsteen, Bruce hasn't become a brand, which is great. And if you look at all his the releases, he's very they're very it's almost, they're not released for just getting release sake. There's thought that goes into whatever gets released. And I think that's, I think that's comm- very commendable. Yeah. Because when you see a lot of modern acts now, and it's such a shame, you turn on the TV and they, their latest single or maybe a single they released six months previous is already in an advert.
0: Yeah. It- but
2: this is the thing with Bruce, he's just, he he tries to protect his legacy. And he's so, very I think he's very I think he's very aware about how he's portrayed on how he comes yes. across. When he's very selective about what he does.
1: Yeah, and that's when I get upset. And I please feel free to share your opinion, but every once in a while there are people on the online community, and it's a small percentage but like the covers album he's destroying his legacy and i'm like okay you don't like the covers album you don't like the covers album but he wanted to do it he did it and he's having fun performing that album why as a fan would you not want bruce to have fun you don't want to buy it don't buy it the it is there there is it does seem and Completest want everything, and I think you could give maybe that excuse to the record company that has Queen's material. That if you give them the benefit of the doubt, it isn't that they're trying to go for every cent. It's the fans want to see be completest. They want to know everything, but there's yeah. a reason sometimes why things aren't released. Right? It is just That's the right. product. Yeah. yeah.
2: If you if you look at sorry I'm just going off on a tangent here
1: no please uh,
2: no sorry my my train of thoughts gone okay. sorry
1: and you've talked about Ticketmaster and yes there were a lot of problems I do think that Bruce did a I think Bruce's team needed to hire a better public relations person. Because of John Landau going, eh, and Bruce were doing this. I he has a lot of money. And there are things. And I also think John Landau was the only person on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that actually put out a statement saying I supported Jan White John Wiener um, yes. because of my his long service. And I'm like, no. That's a bat. You that's you took you tell that to your friend one on one. I do not think Is this what's gonna
2: happen when we get old then? We we start losing the plot, but
1: <laughs> Yeah, I guess maybe a little bit, Alex. I don't know. I don't know of anything, and when I see these people that are I I do not know if there's anything Bruce can do to destroy his legacy. Phil Spector is a despicable human being, and you ha- and there is a lot to be said for how do you separate the art from the artist. I'm a huge Buffy the Vampire, Angel, Firefly, everything that Josh Whedon did, I adored. Now then, he is he just found out he is not a very good person. And so you're like, how do you separate the art from the artist? I can't think of anything that bruce has done and even when he got arrested for drinking right it was because he was drinking so yeah i so far yeah that doesn't
0: really
2: get that's for that's been forgotten about which is quite nice yes i think i think think this we're going to probably talk about it anyway so we may as well talk about it now is the obviously the price of the ticket so yeah I've been very fortunate that I've never had to pay over the odds, apart from once to go and see him live—100 uh, euros to see him in Badalona in 20, 2006 on the Seeger Sessions tour because I couldn't get a ticket, and I was in Barcelona at the time. But this last tour, I paid full price or the asking price. I haven't been in. I haven't been a victim of the dynamic pricing. Which yeah. I think, in fairness, I think in the U.S. it's been you know, the actual the dynamic pricing has been a lot worse than I think than it was than it has been in Europe. It's not been great. Don't get me wrong. We're still yeah. we're you were you guys have been well. I've been hearing four-figure sums, yeah, over a thousand dollars, two thousand dollars for a ticket, where you were seeing tickets for Edinburgh for going for about $400, four hundred, four hundred fifty,
0: yeah. But,
1: and unfortunately, what I said right after this started is unless everyone gets to go to the show they want to go to in the section they want to attend at the price they want to pay, they're not going to be happy. Yeah, Because there have been times when we go, oh, you want to go to this show? There are tickets available. I'm not paying 100 bucks to sit and nosebleed. OK, yeah. that's your choice. But you can't say there's not tickets available, mm-hmm. right? Or I'm not going to pay $800 to be in the pit. OK, that's yeah. your choice. But you can't say they aren't available. It is and and it is just supply and demand. And a lot of people want to see Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. And, and while we're on controversy, what's your thoughts on the somewhat static set list?
2: I'm okay about it I, because I've gone. we've been spoiled, particularly from 20, 20, 2012 to 2016. Those two tours, in fact, I think the Magic Tour possibly as well. Once the signs requests started coming in, it took the E Street Band to a whole nother level and Bruce as well, because he then just pushed the envelope further in terms of, you were seeing, you were reading about shows, and he's doing three hours, three hours 40 tonight, and then, oh, no, he's done three hours 50, and then before you know it, he's at four hours and fifteen, whatever it was, I think. So we were really spoiled. Yeah. And seven years has passed since he last, since he previously toured, which is a long time. Yeah. And... I'm actually okay about it because what I liked about the shows was it was just one after the other, bang. It's, there's no hanging around, yeah. Which is totally different, and it's this whole evolution that Bruce always does. Bruce always evolves, evolves everything. He never, similar to Queen, never does things the same. Right. Might do me. Uh, if you look at Queen, they do a couple albums that are similar in theme and then they move on to something else. And then it's the it's same with Bruce. A couple tours are similar and then he moves on and does something different or it might even be a single tour. And then all of a sudden, that's what I really, I'm not as frustrated as a lot of fans are because the guy's 70, 74 now. Yeah. He's not going to be around forever. This. We all keep saying it could be the last. It probably is in terms of big tours. Yeah, I think it probably is. So let's enjoy him whilst we have him, because what he does in that three hours is still ten times better than what a lot of acts can, a lot of artists can do. Yeah. If I had one criticism about it, it's maybe not necessarily the the static setlist. Um, but unfortunately, what you were one thing I did notice was. You could almost, you could, when you were seeing him and you're watching him on YouTube, you could almost picture exactly where he was going to move to on stage by what song he was playing. So you know okay. where he's going to base himself. Okay. So there was a lot less looseness that there is in previous tours. Yeah. But we don't know what he's going through as a human being. And, and it must be really tough for him to do three hours now. An
1: hour. And we now know that he had that septic ulcer. So, yeah. wow. The other, I did, you, your smile made me remind, I, I read a joke the other day, husband, I'm really going to go to some extra shows this year, because this could be the last Springsteen tour, wife, that's the shit you told me in 2023, that he is never going to die, and Yeah, it is, I think of my grandparents. My mom would say, your grandparents are getting older. They really want to see you for Christmas. This might be the last year they're there. And we would joke like, I've been hearing that for 10
0: years.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. In, I want to, so let's get into it. What is, what do you think Queen and Bruce have in common? You've already talked about emotion and them reinventing themselves, but share some of the other reasons as being a massive fan of both. What do you see them in common?
2: So you've got, okay, so there's some coincidences to begin with. So these aren't necessarily massive things, but they both released the first album in 73. They had their biggest, they had their breakthrough album in 75, which is Bruce with Born to Run, Queen with the Night of the Opera. And they also both had, obviously, the struggles in their early career. They both had management issues. Queen's issue was with their production company, They didn't have an actual manager at the time. It was two two brothers that looked after them by a production company, which caused a whole load of problems financially for the band. And by the time they came to make A Night the Opera, which had *Bamie Rhapsody on it, they were skint. They had no money and this was make or break. And then obviously Bruce had the same issues with, he had similar issues with Mike. Is it Mike Appleton or Mike Apple? I I can never remember his name.
1: It's Michael, Michael. Pell, sorry, Michael yes. Pell, big part.
2: which they both got over, and yeah. you, what you saw with when you actually follow their careers in terms of they the, they both had this mid '80s peak. For Queen, mid '80s peak was probably in Europe, but they were Queen were the biggest band in 1980, yeah, um, and 8081 81, uh, and It was similar with Bruce. He just, they have this, it's a slow burn. He has, um, he really releases darkness. It's not a worldwide smash, but the river obviously is because it's got Hungry Heart as a single. And then Bruce goes off and does Nebraska. In the same year, Queen went off and did a a half a dance album called Mm -hmm. Hot Space. So the first side was dance music. So they're both going off on tangents and then they release... The breakthrough that the album that really takes them to another level. Bruce yeah. was born in the U.S.A. and Queen released the works which had Radio Gaga on it, One to Break Free," etc. And they, by this point, they were just they were so big. They did real and played to a quarter of a million people. You you watch them grow. You watch the two of them grow as artists on a a lot slower level, but it's it just keeps going and going and they're both very well renowned live acts mm-hmm. if you think of queen you think of them as as a live as as a for this phenomenal live art live act as you do with bruce and they both give so much to their audiences and it was brian that said that whenever they came to town they wanted to own that city or that town for the for that day or night that they were there they wanted yeah. to own it and give as much back as possible. And you can see that with Bruce as well. I remember that in that documentary that Mike, Mike Hepworth done where he interviewed Bruce and he said, he asked him, did you get bored on that tour? He was talking about born in the USA, You toured yeah. for 18 months. He must have got bored. And he says, when eight o'clock comes around, there's always somebody new that wants to see you. So you've got to be there. You've got to be rocking. Yeah. It's a similar, it's a similar attitude. You never... It's so rare you will not find a Duff Queen gig. They didn't do me- nowhere near as many live shows as Bruce done, but the shows that they done, they really gave everything. And, and you won't find many show that's not professionally, professionally done. And that's one of the things I, I loved about them. And obviously the Unchanged lineup, they stuck together. They're very supportive of each other, extremely supportive of Freddie when he was dying. And I'm sure that whilst Bruce did, I'm sure Bruce would have been the same with Danny and Clarence.
0: Yeah,
1: it was. And I think one of the things I really wanted to, when they announced that Bruce was going to do this autobiography, I was really curious if he was going to talk about releasing the band and that those dark years. And I thought he addressed it really well. And they remained friends. They remained close, and then they came back, and even stronger. And I think he's talked about that, and Stevens talked about that, that the time apart helped them to be better, as to appreciate each other and to know each other more. And I truly do not know. I, I think they will want to tour as long as they can. I think physically they will reach the point where they can't but I think they're right now just having a blast.
2: Oh, definitely. And, and you can see it. You can see that they're, they're they're absolutely loving it. Um, yeah. And to, to, to be able to, do... the other thing as well is, is you, we know, we all know they're getting on, but they never make a mistake on stage. They're so precise. That you, you never hear Roy doing a wrong key on the piano. And likewise with Stevie on guitar. It's just, it's phenomenal to see. And what I love about it is when Bruce does make a mistake, he laughs. Yes. He always laughs. He doesn't, that's another thing that that Queen and him have in common. They don't take themselves too seriously.
1: Absolutely. And one of those what ifs is if Freddie had not gotten sick, you wonder What would have that band done? What would they have done to grow? I think in a lot of ways, that's how we're blessed that we have seen Bruce do Western Stars, totally different style, Letter to You, which is, I think, amazing, and then the Covers album, which was just fun. So to be in your 70s and to put out three albums, all incredibly different, is just To be really admired, I think, as as someone who's a huge fan. Yes. Yeah.
2: I like the fact that he's got to that point in his career. When we were growing up, chart positions was everything. Where your record was, and I don't think you... I I, I would wonder if half of them actually bother checking now. Even after the first or the second week, they're not bothered. He's just doing... He's making music that he wants to make. And I, and I think that's, uh, I think that's great. You know, and yeah. all I, 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 I credit to him.
1: Yeah. What I found interesting is, I don't know if you've read Warren Zane's delivery from nowhere, the making of Nebraska. I've ordered it and okay. it's never arrived. <laughs> okay. Hopefully you will get it. But one of the premises, one of the facts that I thought was interesting is Bruce has never been someone who asked about sales, but he asked about sales with Nebraska. And Warren's theory is because he didn't tour, he couldn't tell how the music was being taken. And so that's why he was a little more interested in that. I think you'll love the book when you get there. It reads like a mystery. It reads why, when you have reached your height so far, you take a step backwards. And then how important of that step backward was for you to go even higher, which you similar said the same format with Queen, right? They take a little bit of step backwards and then reach to new heights.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's, I think that's the thing I love that you I I love the two of them for that. They're making music they want to do. They don't care, in to a degree. They're not following the what's expected of them. Bruce does the River album. It's a double album. It's a lot more commercial sounding. It's more accessible to yeah because of Hungry Heart and the River, obviously yeah. And then he goes off and does a two year tour, and then comes back and then does Nebraska. Yeah, similar with Born in the USA becomes that he becomes this most successful. It was him. There was Michael Jackson and Madonna and Prince, and he's not doing what is expected of him. Two years later, he goes and does Tunnel of Love.
1: Yeah, it you know, is it when you think about it that the idea that peak tunnel of love in a lot of ways is a very personal album and it's one of my favorites so the idea of him doing that is just pretty cool and i agree that's it's really nice let's talk about favorite albums are there obviously the quick answer is all of them but if you had to pick an album or two from both artists are there ones that you go to consistently that are on the rotation
2: yeah, Born to Run. I know it's the. I know it's the obvious choice for a lot of people, but it is for me. Yeah. I love every single song on that album, particularly now after the tour. Backstreets, I think, for you yeah. read this online as well. That Backstreets, in particular, has you know, it's brought on a whole nother meaning for a lot of people, including yeah. myself. Uh so yeah the Born the to Run album, The River, that was all that was The River was always my favorite growing up. I must admit I was I found it difficult with some of the other albums that were what you might class as less accessible. The first two albums in particular, Nebraska as well. But I've grown to absolutely love them. And obviously the new material, I loved the I think Wrecking Balls is, is very underrated. Western Stars, my wife and I absolutely adore that album. We play it all the time. And likewise, we play Letters to You as well. Yeah. We Letters to You was released not long before my uh, wife's mum died. And we played See You in My Dreams at her funeral. Yeah. Uh, We were choosing songs to actually play. And I'd suggested this, and it was, and I played it to her dad, and her dad said yes straight away. He's not a music fan,
0: yeah, a massive,
2: he was a massive music fan, but he said yes straight away because he heard the the word. So yeah, they're they're all really personal, but I guess it's they've all got memories now because you, we, I bought them all on the week or day of release, and yeah, there's not many that I I, I don't play very often. I'd. I guess Lucky Town is possibly one that I don't know. Is it? Lucky? Yeah, Lucky Town is the one I don't play that often. Okay. There's certain songs on The Rising I'm not a massive fan. Same with the, what you call it? The album with Outlaw Pete on it. It's named okay, yeah, just
1: Yeah. Uh, working on a Dream.
2: Yeah, Working on a Dream. Yeah, which is it's still okay. It's good. Yeah, in fact, sure. actually, my lucky day is actually. We used as the music on our wedding video. Uh, one of yeah. three songs that we used on our wedding video. So, it's not all. It's not like it's all bad. Yeah, I still mm-hmm. enjoy it. There's no. There's definitely no one album that I never listened to. Yeah, you know? I, I, will, I will listen to. I'll listen to them all.
1: Yeah, and, 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 and for Queen.
2: Time. Oh, Queen! Anybody listening right now that wants an introduction to Queen and out I, I, with the greatest hits. I would highly recommend Queen Tooth to News of the World. Yeah, you've got Queen Tooth, She Horse, that, Night of the Op- Night of the Opera, Date of the Races, and News of the World. They are all perfect. Uh, there is not one bad song on those any of those albums. The first album is good, but the, it, it struggles on production. And then, unfortunately, after News of the World, all the albums they're all there's always good stuff on it, but they never, uh, for me, they never reach that height. Mm-hmm. I like, like, like what they did on those, but nobody does. Yeah. Artists, all, all artists have mediocre, mediocre, bad albums. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I graduated high school in 1977. So I remember buying News of the World and absolutely enjoying it. Queen was on the radio a lot. I love The Game. Um, that's a great album. Yeah, it's just. The yeah, it just—it's a little bit different, but so much fun. Just a fun album, and uh, Dragon Attack is just makes me smile every time I hear it. Yeah,
2: that the the bass on Dragon Attack is just—that's John Deacon at his finest. Yeah, just incredible. Um, yeah, it is. It's a shame because there's a lot of people that go and see Queen now uh, and don't know a life beyond greatest hits or greatest hits two or right. And there's so much, there's so much to explore.
1: Yeah. So two or three years ago, I had a guy on the podcast that does a Bee Gees podcast. And he talked about that. I said that we had this in common that when someone tells him they don't like the Bee Gees, his first question is, have you listened to anything besides the soundtrack to Saturday Night Fever? And when someone asks me, when someone says I don't like Bruce Springsteen, I go, "Have you listened to anything besides Born in the USA?" Album, yeah. because while both iconic albums, that it, there's so much more, right? Queen is so much more than Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a classic. It is absolutely beautiful, and when you hear that, you know it immediately. I just love somebody to love. I just love I'm telling, you, but. I adore the energy and the fun of that song, right? Yeah. I just think it's put together beautifully. They are a band that it it feels like they worked really hard to make good music. And they, they wanted worked, to make good music.
2: They worked extremely hard and frustratingly as a fan for the last six years of that Freddie was alive the frustrating thing of being a fan was they didn't get enough recognition while Freddie was alive. All that recognition is a lot of the recognition has come after he passed away. And this is where coming back to being a Bruce fan, this is where I get, I've got a, I've got a love hate relationship with Rolling Stone magazine because Rolling Stone absolutely loved Bruce and he was on the front cover. God knows how many times and they absolutely detested Queen. So I, that I find frustrating. I also it was also frustrating being a Queen fan growing up and being a Bruce Springsteen fan because you when somebody tells you their musical tastes and they say oh, oh yeah I'm into Bruce Springsteen I'm into the Who I'm into the Rolling Stones Pearl Jam you can almost guess that if you say to them oh yeah and, and they ask you oh who do you like yeah all of those plus Queen and they and they just bulk at the idea you know, because they. And then, unfortunately, it takes for Freddie to die. It takes for Wayne's World to happen and all the other stuff that's happened for people. Yeah, they were actually pretty good. And I'm and as I've said many times, where were you that six year period when I was telling you all how good they were on your when you've and it's it's taking you that long to realize?
0: Yeah. So it,
2: it was very frustrating, particularly in America. They never got a Grammy for anything. I think they got a Dick Clark, and they just never got the recognition. It's a shame because they lost America. They lost America in the eighties, almost as soon as the the game was the game tour was finished, because uh, the, the the big thing was obviously the the them dressing up in drag for the I Want to Break Free video, and various uh, a couple of other controversies. The main one, which I will not defend them for, which is going and playing in South Africa during the apartheid years. So by that point, but they were huge elsewhere. Yeah, They were huge in in the state, uh, sorry, in South America, in Europe, Australia, Japan, everywhere but America in the eighties. What
1: what is fascinating to me is that how that happens sometimes. I have a buddy, a couple of buddies who love the Tragically Hip, which is a band that is adored in Canada and got nothing in america and so he uh he joined me to talk springsteen and so then i listened to about a dozen tragically hip songs and i was like how did i not find this band they're really good so yeah you would think that it is just odd how because the work's still there, the quality is still there, but just for some reason tastes change. And yeah. I think the big thing
2: for an American Queen we're seeing is this macho band. And once Freddie grew the moustache and he had the the leather caps and and he wanted to look like a a gay icon, in America couldn't handle it, unfortunately, because it's America's a lot more conservative than whereas the uk europe and other parts of yes. the world are more cosmopolitan, that's yeah. just the way it goes and unfortunately that's that's one of the things that that, that killed them over there which is a shame yeah. but that's that's life
1: yeah so alex is there anything i should have asked you that i haven't check your notes by the way that's a private that is a inside joke alex had said he had notes before we started and i told him i'm going to ask you that and my guests are going to always look at their notes and go did i forget any stories
2: yeah i I think it's just we probably haven't what does bruce mean to me i I talked about it but didn't go into it but i just love the fact he's a really likable guy with principles that you can identify with and he didn't follow the crowd I love his compassion towards people who are less fortunate. You take the board in the SA tour. He is one of the biggest stars on the planet at this point. But You listen to any bootlegs and he's talking about asking people to support uh, the LA Food Bank in tonight, or there's there's this charity or that charity. And and it's a very unfashionable thing to do. So he's got this, he, he just got this compassion for people that are less fortunate and he hasn't forgotten his roots. I don't actually buy the fact, a lot is made that he's partly, he speaks for the blue collar worker. For me, he doesn't talk just for the blue collar workers. He talks yeah. for everybody.
1: Yeah, he's- I agree with that. And I know that it's easy to criticize from some, he's a millionaire times over, what's he know? But I think you never forget your upgrowing and if you were that poor when you were younger. That sticks with you. Also, down South, one of the worst insults you can give someone is they forgot where they came from. And I don't think he's forgotten where he came from. He understands and embraces not only his roots, Freehold and in a small town, but also the rock and roll roots and the soul roots and the rhythm and blues roots of his music. Yeah, I think he is... He continues to do that. And I love the fact that even this last tour, there will be a point where he says, there are people from the North Texas Food Bank here in the building. If you've got it, they are doing frontline work. And if you got a little bit, help them out. And I just think that's crazy. I think that's just, as you say, something to admire in something. Yeah. Much
2: like, I think he, he wanted to be a rock and roller that he's learned from history by not becoming a rock and roll cliche. And he's avoided all the the, the rock and roll cliches. The, the main one being not dying at 27, yes. becoming part of the 27 Club. Yes. Because he genuinely loves what he does. He walks the walk and he talks talk, the talk. Yeah. Um, and I just love the fact, he just every, I just love how he just does everything differently. He, does, he doesn't have an elaborate stage show. And what I mean by that, he doesn't have a big light show. and, yeah. and video like, screens and everything. And, all that sort of stuff. It's all very measured and relaxed. So there's no elaborate stage visuals. It's just him and the band and it's just him talking to you much like what Freddie did. He could communicate with the back row of Wembley stadium. Springsteen can do the same
1: thing. Yeah. One of the other things that I love the fact that when my son, Chris went to his first show, it was in Oklahoma city on the second river tour and we were driving home the next morning, and he's Bruce doesn't mess around, does he? I said, What do you mean? He said, A song ends, he counts down, you're at the next song. He said, You've got to be ready. If you're that band member, there is no, he says, there's no banter between, there's no, it just go to go. And he's right at three hours like two hours 50 minutes this tour and i said if he just took 30 seconds between songs to tune guitars it would go over three hours it is just
2: yeah but that's what i liked about this tour particularly it is just one one, but if you go back to the 80s the 70s and you watch any shows yeah there's the there's the on-stage banter. There's the yeah. laughing and joking. The, the bear story from the mid '80s, yeah, uh, from the USA tour uh, during growing yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, it goes on for ages. So, yeah, there's um, it, it's just it's it's fantastic. One thing we didn't actually, ask, you're asking what, what shows are we going to next year? Because they, I must yeah. be one of your first guests. Yeah. Have come on since the, new, the shows have been announced for next year we're doing cardiff my wife and i are doing cardiff um uh, stadium and we're going to prague in in the czech republic we're just doing two because doing a show isn't doing a springsteen tour is not cheap
0: <laughs> yeah no
1: good yeah i love that that's yeah i have not booked tickets yet for 2024 i'm waiting to see what other shows are going to do and then strategically pick my time this is amazing i've had so much fun i feel like we could keep talking for an hour any final thoughts before we get to the mary question
2: no it's been fantastic it's been Thank good i've really enjoyed it uh yeah. one thing actually is we go back to queen and springsteen i have no idea if if bruce likes queen I've yeah. never heard him ever talk about Queen in anything. Nothing.
1: Yeah. Not a thing. <laughs> who knows? Maybe he'll, when he was Australia, he was doing all those cover bands he did Staying Alive. So who yeah. knows? Maybe sometime he'll surprise us with a, he did a Van Halen cover. Right, Jump, yeah. So maybe he'll surprise us and they'll do something. That'd well, be amazing.
2: On this tour, there's two songs that are quite relevant that that he yeah. could do. One, "Spread Your Wings" from News of the World, which you might remember, because that's a song in that's sung in character, a very rare thing for Queen to have done. Um, and also, there's a song that you might know or might not. It's called "These Are the Days of Our Lives."
1: Okay, I'll check that. Know. No, I do not. You
2: can check it out. It's it was written by Roger and it was written about his kids and you know him looking back on his life and but the, the whole song took on another meaning when Freddie died because it was the last video that they filmed and hmm. right at the end of the, the video Freddie says, I still love you and he gives this arm wave as if he's saying goodbye to the fans and when you see something like that and you see what Bruce does when he pays tribute to Danny and, and Clarence yeah and obviously the theme of what he's singing about mm-hmm. that wouldn't that song wouldn't actually that song wouldn't look out of place if he put it in the set but he's not likely to and also it's not a high register because singing if singing for yeah. not. Easy. <laughs> all right,
1: i love that all right so if you listen to the show at this point it's the Merry question Jay Armstrong, who is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area, now retired. But when he was teaching, he would give his students the uh, lyrics to Thunder Road. They would discuss the imagery, the uh, themes Bruce explores, and then would ask his class, does Mary get in the car? Alex, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car at the end of Thunder Road?
2: Bruce's Bruce's glass is always half full. It's never half empty.
0: Mm-hmm. I can
2: imagine him standing there, or or with his arm outstretched, and I can't imagine Mary not going. Nah, okay. I'm not gonna bother.
0: I love. So of course, she gets in. <laughs>
2: no, no question. It's and then obviously the 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 sax kicks in, and it and it's just yeah. you you've just got this image of the car just driving away in the distance, and she's in. She might have her head out the window or whatever, but yeah, yeah. Of course, she she climbs in. Can I just say, actually, that version of Thunder Road on the tour, when the horn section kicks in, oh my god, every single time, yeah, it's amazing.
1: Hairs stand up.
2: Oh, I wish they could actually. I wish they could just do it a couple more times because it it's too short.
1: Yes, absolutely.
2: But it's yeah, it's, it's phenomenal
1: so let's do this again maybe after the shows this uh um, oh, yeah. summer you can come and give me a thing if you think of anything else we need to talk about just reach out to me if someone wants to reach you what's the best way alex
2: i do i'm on twitter that or what's it called now
1: x, x i think
0: yes
2: but um, yeah. and, I'm, and i'm on i'm on x and i one of your previous guests paul and kim who are on I follow them and I follow there's a there's a few others that, that I follow. Yeah. You can find me on you can find me on X. It's at SME six nine five six seven eight four five or Alex Small.
1: Super and I will include that in the notes. Alex be, thank you for staying up late to see visit with me. I hope you have fun. To. Yeah. Oh,
2: absolutely. Can I just say it's two of my favorite subjects. I could talk all (laughs) day.
1: We will have you on and do that again. But for now, follow Alex on Twitter. Let him know you're listening to the podcast. Thank you guys for listening. Remember to be safe, be kind, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Goodbye. Bye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so, if you want to skip this, I understand, but I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. This show is available at Set Bruce. You can send me an email, setlustingBruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469 249 2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast, with my brother-in-time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them. But if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking,
1: joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast. That is the one, the only setlisting bruce
0: the theme for setlisting bruce was written by david rosen used by permission
3: it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football